0: Hello and welcome to Uncap Web3 Talks, a new podcast that focuses on everything Web3. NFTs, the metaverse, DAOs, digital art and much more. My name is Norman Wiese, I'm the founder of Uncap Collective and on this show I'm having in-depth conversations with interesting personalities that have a true impact on the Web3 space. I talk to founders, collectors, artists, investors and other thought leaders. In today's episode, I'm joined by Tibor Mireille, who is managing director and partner at Boston Consulting Group, one of the leading consulting firms in the world. Tibor is driving all things Metaverse at BCG and is a true expert voice in the space. I really enjoyed the conversation as we were able to look at the metaverse from different angles. The strategic view on why companies are exploring or should explore the space, as well as zooming in on specific use cases and characteristics of the metaverse. We chatted about opportunities as well as current frictions that need to be overcome in order to achieve mass adoption. And we also touched on the interesting role that Apple could play or is already playing in all of this. Tibor is an awesome guy and I hope you enjoy our Metaverse chat as much as I did. So let's jump right into it. Hello and welcome, Tibor. Um, It's great to have you uh, on the show, on, uh, the uncapped web three talks. Um, I'm very excited to have you here. I think you have amazing knowledge in the web three and the metaverse space. So, uh, welcome. Great to have you. Thanks for having me, Norman. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm actually very excited uh, to have you on here. I think, um, uh, you're going to introduce yourself, but I think there's, there's few people actually in the metaverse space that probably have, have this, uh, degree of a high level overview on the whole industry, on the space, on what big brands and big corporates do in the space already. Um, and I also learned uh, um, um, that you that you've been in the space for for several years already, right before this, before this whole hype came up. So we have an OG here. Um, why don't we start with um, you giving us a little bit of an introduction about your background? Um, uh, about your uh, about your time at BCG so far uh, and 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 all the amazing things that you've done so far.
1: Absolutely. Happy to. So I'm Tibor. I'm a Managing Director and Partner at the Boston Consulting Group uh, based in our Vienna office. And I have the privilege to co-lead our Global Metaverse and Web3 practice. Now, you might wonder, what is the Global Metaverse and Web3 practice at BCG? And uh, I had my team run the numbers about three weeks ago and we just crossed 100 projects in the space. Wow. So, so you might wonder, you know, who are, who are these companies, the, the 100 companies we, we, we worked with, and you would be surprised. So it is uh, very diverse in the, in the type of companies we work with. We work for the tech companies of the world. We work for the telco operators. But uh, we don't only work for the builders, for the metaverse, we also work for the adopters. So we have worked with some of the biggest beverage companies on the planet on their metaverse and Web3 strategy. I myself have uh, recently finished a project for a luxury fashion um, company in, the, uh, in Paris, um, currently involved also um, on multiple projects in the healthcare space, industrial goods. So it is very diverse in that sense. Now, how did I myself get into uh, metaverse? You, you mentioned um, you mentioned that I've been there, been in, in the space for quite some time. So, I have been dealing with technology topics at BCG for the past twelve years. But my personal journey into the metaverse started four years ago, when a friend of mine who founded a virtual reality uh, back then startup by now I think you need to call it a scale up um, put me into a then uh, Oculus Rift and showed me the earlier version of what they have built. And I was hooked right away. So I continued coaching them. I did did get a chance to invest. And so I've been on the inside of of this industry for the past four years. By now, I'm also invested in in multiple other startups, including also a Web3 identity management startup and have now the privilege to work on these topics day in and day out.
0: Amazing. Um, So... um... There's a lot to unpack there, I think. So many people wonder, uh, what is the metaverse? Is there multiple? Is there one? Do we need VR goggles all the time wearing and all that kind of stuff, right? Um, before we dive into that, I would love to get to know you a little bit more, your background. And also, I mean, Boston Consulting Group is a huge name. I think especially in the corporate world, mm-hmm. you know, everybody knows them. Maybe a little less in the Web3, in the startup world, maybe you, you, you've heard mm-hmm. of, you know, those big consulting um, firms and everything. So um, uh, um, you, it would be amazing if you could just walk us through a little bit um, about your past mm-hmm. at BCG, what BCG exactly is, and especially how you guys deal with these these kind of digital strategy projects, transformation projects, um, and, and with your with your um, gamma and X structures and all of that, you know, mm. really being on the edge as well. Could you just in a nutshell explain um, your role at BCG and also what BCG does exactly, especially in that, in that tech environment?
1: Absolutely. So if we're going to do a blast from the past, let's do it properly. So let's go right to the beginning. So I was born in Switzerland. Uh, I was actually born in the crypto valley of Zug. Yeah, um, so maybe that was already a sign of the stars, so to speak. Uh, and I grew up in a in a small town uh, with more cows than people, and um, and I studied business administration, and uh, and then uh, love actually led me to Vienna because my now wife is from here, and I've been living in Vienna for the past uh, twelve years. And it was also in Vienna where I started my career in consulting. Before starting uh, at BCG, I was a founder. I had my own freestyle fashion label back in Switzerland. Um, we, we started, uh, three friends of us, uh, we, we brought it to a certain level of, of fame. But then, um, you know you know how it is, uh, it is a tough life as a startup founder. And when I was applying for BCG, I told myself I'm going to defer my offer for six months and try pushing the startup. And if I would see a path and you know opportunity to to co- continue um, driving that, I would uh, say no to BCG and would continue on the startup path. Um, but as you can see, I then ended up in BCG. So so that was a bit how I got into into BCG. Now um, let me um, let me maybe talk a bit about what BCG does, and then I can also um, explain a bit more what I do uh, within BCG. Now, BCG stands for Boston Consulting Group and has started um, in 1963, so already quite some time ago, focusing on strategy consulting. Some people might say BCG invented the art of, of strategy consulting. And that has been uh, the, the bulk of what we have been doing um, for quite some time. We then moved into a broader uh, topics, um, so not only focusing only on the strategy part, but on the overall transformation part of the entire company, and we do that across all industries you can imagine, and also all topics you can imagine. We by now have thirty thousand employees globally, um, and are a ten billion dollar plus business. So it's uh, it's uh, it's it's a quite big engine by now. And what some people don't know though is that we also build things. We have um, a unit called X, which is our build unit, where we have now more than 2,500 builders, so engineers, designers, but also data scientists and data engineers, and so on and so forth, where we build products and businesses. And that is, I think, what excites me so much about being able to drive metaverse and Web3 topics across BCG, because we have all of these capabilities and people at our disposal, starting from doing strategy work, understanding what is the metaverse, and I'm sure we're gonna get into it also on this call, Um, then breaking it down into the actual use case and applications, then selecting the ones which are most viable, and then building some of these even with our BCGX capabilities. And so this is um, what I do, even just this week, if I reflect my, my Web3 and, and, uh, and um, Metaverse week. Uh, Monday, I was in a discussion uh, with a client in Singapore uh, around understanding the strategy behind it and how to, to go about it. Then uh, at noon on Monday, I had a, uh, a pitch for a build, uh, for BCGX build in the healthcare space. Um, then uh, in the evening, I was actually hosting a talk with Kathy Hackel, whom some of uh, the listeners might know at one of our conferences. And then uh, today, right after this, I need to go into two other client discussions. Um, one of them I had before going into this call with one of the big tech companies with four letters um, in the space. So, um, yeah, and it's only Wednesday. So, so let's see how, to, how the rest of the week goes.
0: Yeah, that's, that's super interesting. So there, there appears to be some interest uh, uh, by the market in that, in that topic, um, in, 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 that, in that metaverse era. So why don't we just jump right into um, unpacking this term a little bit, right? And there, there might not be this single one textbook definition, uh, but I'm very sure you get this question a lot and you're a master in answering what the metaverse actually is. So what is your, what is your explanation in a nutshell? What is the metaverse for you? What is the metaverse from the perspective of BCG?
1: Yes. And uh, before I get into our version of it, I just want to encourage every listener um, to briefly reflect. Do you know the accurate definition of what the Internet is? And my guess is that there are many of you out there who are not fully sure how they would define it but yet you're using it every day and you're getting value out of it. And so that is a bit what I mean with when we talk about these definitions. Yes, definitions are important, but you don't need to spend all of your time left on definitions, but rather thinking about where the value lies. Having said this, let's get still into some definitions because especially if it's such a new thing, it helps people sometimes get a better sense of it. Uh, In the simplest of terms, the definition that I like is the word itself. It consists of two words, meta, Greek for beyond, and verse for universe. And to me, this means two things. It means purely virtual worlds, disconnected from our physical world. And on the other side, it means an expansion of our physical world. And that second one is actually even more exciting to me. Now, if we dig a bit deeper, we look into the components of this metaverse. In our work with over 100 uh, companies in the space, we actually saw that there are all these buzzwords out there. Augmented reality, virtual reality, Web3, NFTs, and so on and so forth. But when looking a bit closer, we actually identified that we are talking about three distinct technology areas. Immersive tech, Web3, and so-called meta worlds. So let's break it down a bit. Immersive technologies used to be two separate technologies, augmented reality and virtual reality. Augmented reality essentially is the display of digital objects and information into the physical world. In the past achieved by either your mobile phone that you can use to now place your future furniture at home or by semi-transparent glasses like the HoloLens. Virtual reality on the other side is full immersion in virtual environments what was really surprising to us was that these two technologies have merged earlier than anticipated the current generation of headsets be it the meta quest pro or the magic leap 2 can do both you can seamlessly switch between a augmented reality experience to a virtual reality experience so for example you could sit at your desk You can see your physical keyboard, you can type on your physical keyboard, you can use a physical mouse, but you can see as many screens as you like. And if I would turn out to my left, I could have Norman sitting right next to me with his avatar and we could be working on the same topic together. Web3 on the other side, in its simplest form, and I think we could unpack this again for hours, just that term itself, is coming from the word third iteration of the internet. I mentioned that small town I was in, and that was also where I was in Switzerland when Web3 arrived. And I still remember to this day how back then I had to debate with my mother whether or not she could talk on the phone or I could use the internet, but that was Web1. And Web1 couldn't do much. You could read some websites, you could maybe watch some funny hamster stands, but that was pretty pretty much it. Web 2.0 was then all about social media. You could read and write. So you had users generate the content, you have the social media that we now know today. And with Web3, in its simplest terms, I think the most radical evolution is the topic of ownership. That powered through decentralized ledger technologies such as the blockchain, we can now store information in decentralized fashion. We no longer have to trust central entities, but trust is being run through protocols, through blockchains, and that enables a host of new use cases. The first one to gain prominence were tokens, such as Bitcoin or Ethereum. But now we also have so-called non-fungible tokens, NFTs, which are singular digital information and assets that then can power a lot of other use cases around identity, interoperability, and so on. And then last but not least, meta-worlds are these persistent social platforms like the Fortnites or Robloxes of this world, where thousands soon millions of people can interact, transact, shop, work and do so in a synchronous fashion. And these are the three components of the metaverse. And we deliberately chose the visual of a Venn diagram symbolizing that there are certain aspects which are completely unrelated to each other. Holding a Bitcoin in your wallet has nothing to do with a metaverse. And just playing a single-player game in virtual reality doesn't do either. But the overlaps are there and they are growing.
0: Very interesting. Now, before we... I I would love to zoom in in on that and and get, get very concrete on these topics. Before that, maybe, why does... BCG Care, can you can you explain your motivations? I mean, you just mentioned you guys are um, uh, like a ten million uh, business nowadays, right? So if you move such significant steps, they you you need to see a lot of potential, and you need to see a lot of relevance for your guys' clients, right? Um, how does BCG look? at this topic. Uh many many people out there think it's gimmicky and right? Mm. Like they 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 think NFTs are scams. They think those glasses are never going to be worn. So apparently you guys see something in the future uh, and why why you double down on that whole topic? So can can you just share the the like uh, a couple of years ago when BCG decided yeah. internally to push for that topic? How how how, how did that conversations go and, and what is your strategic met- motivations and, and and drivers for that for that whole topic?
1: Yeah. So let me maybe go at the core of why consultancies exist or why, why they should exist, in my view. I think as long as the speed of change in the world out there is bigger than the speed of change individual companies can react to, there is a raison d'etre for consultancies out there, as long as they are able to maintain that speed and be relevant on that topic. and These whole technologies that I mentioned around Metaverse and F3 are a prime example of that. So it is at the core of what we do to stay at the forefront of what's happening out there and not only following it, but turning it into tangible business value. Because I agree with you, there is so much hype around it. There's so much scams around it. And there's so much noise where only few people really understand what's going on and even fewer are able to extract value from it. And as you can imagine, we are in the business of uh, premium strategy consulting and premium transformation um, support. And so the the companies that spend these top dollars on us, they expect us to really deliver value. And so this is what we are focusing on, is to say, how do we cut through the hype? Where does the value lie? And how can we help either through advice or build to extract that value? from it. And so this is I think what excites me so much because anything I do has to be driven by the value I can create for my clients and that is what's the really exciting part about it.
0: Very 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 cool and interesting. Let's let's cut through the hype then. Mm. Let's uh, let's jump right in. Um what are the let's say top 3 um projects slash use cases um, that you guys have worked on over the last two, three years uh, that come to your mind where it gets tangible what this whole metaverse trend consisting of these three technological trends Mm. that you just outlined um, create value for brands, companies, corporates, enterprises, whatever, um, Mm. today already? Um, Can you walk us through two or three cases to make that tangible for the audience? Mm.
1: Absolutely. And please uh, understand that I uh, will not be able to share names on all of them, but uh, rather than usually with a consultant is with a consultant, sometimes consultants can tell the name of a company, but they cannot tell you what they did <laughs> or they can tell you what they did without using the name. And sometimes you have obviously public uh, references, so you can do both. So let's do a mix, uh, mix of that. Um, so let me start on the, um, on the immersive side uh, of things. Um one uh, one uh, I think uh, uh, strategy piece which I uh, which I very much enjoyed uh, doing was for uh, for a fashion company. so that was the one in Paris I was I was mentioning. And um, what we did there was we really started by um, not even with the strategy but with the education. So what we did there is we started at the top, level executive level and we ran real immersion sessions dedicated to each of these fundamental technologies. We ran obviously a session around virtual reality where we brought in uh, the people into into some experiences, into some games and, and other let's say ready-made experiences but also by, into some experiences we have built as PCG in order to really get into the art of the possible. But we didn't stop there. We really went then deeper into understanding how the technology works on the stack level, what the trends are, what are also some of the expected developments in the next couple of years to help them understand what can be possible for them as a fashion company. We then went broader and went into, into real use cases that will be relevant to them. And we translated that into a comprehensive strategy. And then we went even one step further and we enabled their IT organization to say, how do they need to change to not only have Today, a couple of use cases with maybe some agencies, which which they already do, but how can they create the fundamental enablers to continuously churn out these new experiences as well as make it work with their core system? So this was one of the the more strategic uh, type um, projects we did. Another one, which was more Web3 focused, is one I can actually talk publicly about. Um, We teamed up with Art Basel, the, um, the art exhibition uh, um, player. And using our BCGX capabilities, we created an NFT business for them um, called RQL. RQL aims to become the Shopify of the art world, where using decentralized ledger technology such as blockchain, we enable any gallery to include smart contract functionality into their sales process. It starts with proof of authenticity of any kind of artwork, not only digital art that can be stored on chain, but it doesn't stop there. It helps also galleries and artists to hardwire smart contract functionality around royalties so that when any time this artwork gets resold later on, the uh, artist can dictate what are some of the uh, royalties or other associated smart contract functionality to that. So this is again a translation of the technology, not on, only into a product, but in, into an entire business that we have built for that. Um, for, for, for that sense, a third one which I can also talk uh, publicly about um, was again using Web three technology. We teamed up with the World Wildlife Foundation to build a business called Open SC. SC standing for a Supply Chain, and so again using this, the blockchain they started out by tracing back sustainable fishing to the point of origin so you need to imagine that in the moment a fishing trawler is in the pacific ocean in one of the fishing grounds the moment that batch of fish is being caught the geolocation of the trawler gets stored on chain and so that will then enable The entire supply chain, all the way to you entering the actual uh, grocery store and buying that piece of fish, to scan a QR code and be able to trace back on chain the origin of that fish and to be sure that that was being caught in a sustainable way and not in, let's say, a protected area. That was the first use case. And by now, they have already signed up other brands like even Nespresso, where you can trace the bean back. To the actual farm where it was picked. So these were just three short examples, but we are obviously helping clients across every industry and every topic uh, deploying some of these technologies.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I think that's that's very interesting. I mean, just um, summarizing your three examples and use cases here, I think shows the the span of that of that metaverse opportunity, right? So first, you said. Coded education and and sort of transformation enhancements in the fashion industry. Then you, you talked about um, uh, an NFT focused product uh, in the art world, right? Mm. And now you talk about the fishing industry and their supply chain, right? Yeah. And I, I think that's uh, you know in, in, now we could dive dive into you know what of these three technological pillars you um, you mentioned kind of where you know where, um we're prioritizing all of these, but I, I think it's just. Clearly shows that this is uh, that this is uh, uh, something that pretty much every industry needs to to look into and understand. And, and even if they can't afford um, um, BCG uh, top consultants, um, you know, get their uh, what is it called? Get their toes into the water and understand the space. V- very interesting. Um, let's um, let's talk a little bit about um, your view on that whole um, metaverse topic. Um, how, what what do you what do you where do you see the biggest obstacles um, in mm. in the adoption, right? So I think we all agree, at least in our little bubble, wow, there's something coming. There's a third iteration of the internet. There's you know new immersive experiences. If you if you merge these two, um, you know there's a lot of innovation, a lot of entrepreneurship, a lot of new products um, 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 arising. Um where do you see the biggest obstacles nowadays? Why aren't we further on this adoption and um, uh, adoption curve uh, already?
1: Yeah. And so, so this is a a big question and, and there are definitely still some, some obstacles. And what I want to keep in mind of everybody here is we are still in the early days of the metaverse. If we measure metaverse in internet time, we actually just entered the year 1995. So it's a bit like, the, like complaining why is the internet not great in 1995, right? Why are the modems, modems so slow? Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> why are the modems so slow? Or why are the, why are the mobile phones like, still so bulky and, and all of that stuff, right? Um, but the good news is, if we again look back from 1995, yes, it did take 12 years until the iPhone moment. But, oh boy, it's not going to take 12 years from now until we have the iPhone moment of the metaverse. And so, what are the more tangible frictions as I like to call them that we still see? I think for this, I, I like to resort to what we call our flywheel framework of the Metaverse, because that is kind of what will drive and propel us into this new world. And the five flywheel consists essentially of five plus one components. It is about the infrastructure we need. it's about the technology, so mean hardware and software we need. It is about the user adoption the experiences, so the content and the economy behind it. So these are kind of the four core components. And then there's regulation as the the sixth one. And I'm not going to go through all of them, but I think there are three core frictions we still see. I think it starts on one side um, on the infrastructure layer. And that's kind of of where the telco operators need to play. it is about bandwidth, yes. So we we continuously need to have uh, stronger networks on this, but it is more than just that. One core element is also the what we call latency of these frameworks. Now, for all the listeners out there, latency can be explained as the time a signal requires from a device like your mobile phone to a server and back. Now, why does this matter? It matters because of the following element. On the technology, position, which is next enabler, one of the biggest frictions is that these headsets are still so bulky. The Quest Two, the planet's wise, wise, most widely sold headset of 15 million installed devices, weighs 500 grams. Now, the the beautiful glasses—I'm not sure if you can see it—that uh, Norman is is wearing—they wear, uh, weigh about 80 grams. So, how do we get from 500 grams to 80 grams? We need to take off the computing power from the device and put it onto a server. Now, the issue is, that server needs to communicate fast enough with the device so you don't experience any lag. Otherwise, you you would get motion sick and nobody wants that. And that means the speed in order to really get down to that seamless experience need to be below five milliseconds latency. As comparison, if you're living in a Western hemisphere today and you have strong LTE or 5G connections, you're probably around 20 Milliseconds, 20 to 25 milliseconds. So that is something, a core enabler we need to get uh, on the infrastructure layer. On the technology layer, I said, you know, it's going to be about the devices. They are too bulky today. The battery power is not great yet. The resolution, you know, still is, needs to go up and so on and so forth. But I'm confident that they're working on. I mean, if you just compare, for example, what uh, is happening in some of the labs of these big players, we have already achieved what I call the retina moment. I think Mark Zuckerberg also has called it that way, meaning that you can no longer distinguish, for example, an avatar from a real person. So that is already solved in a lab setting. The only thing in uh, in that sense is we still need to make that affordable and run on wireless headsets. So these are a couple of unlocks on the technology side. And then I think as this will then unlock a higher user base, you will then attract better content and that better content will get monetized better and that's what's what's gonna put this uh, flywheel into motion
0: um, amazing explanation um what what do you what do you think apple's Role, I mean, maybe you guys have super internal insights. I don't know, but maybe you just have hypothesis on it. Um, what do you think Apple's role is going, is going to be in all of this? So, um, maybe just two, 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 uh, two thoughts from my side. Mm -hmm. So I've been in the mobile industry pretty deeply, um, uh, for, for, for a few years and I started actually very early. When we had this desktop to mobile switch, um, and I just saw firsthand being involved in a lot of mobile products and a lot of mobile companies, what Apple's role as a, as a um, hardware player and then also as a gatekeeper in their ecosystem with their app store and all of that. I just saw their role and their power. And, it, and as soon as they release a device, um what this um you know those thousands and 10,000s of engineers and, and product designers are doing you know they are busy for two weeks only adjusting to what apple just released and, hmm. and so they have this huge audience um and, and or this huge ecosystem of developers and engineers already out there working within their ecosystem um do do you see how how do you see apple uh, apple's role in that um how, what what do you anticipate them do maybe next year with their with their Rumored AR glasses. So, how how do you guys um, view that? Could that be this? Uh, I don't know retina moment, but for the public and for the masses. Mm.
1: Mm. Now, as you would understand, I will now only resort to commenting publicly available information, um, and uh, and not criticize individual companies uh, for their individual strategies and other. But I think there's a couple of of aspects still very very interesting to many of of the listeners uh, today. Uh, I think first interesting fact uh, around uh, Apple's metaverse strategy is they avoid the word metaverse at all costs. I think Tim Cook even went as far as saying you will never hear that word coming out of his mouth. Now, they why? do He's, use
0: AR a lot, though, right? They do. They do.
1: They do use AR. They do use reality. They do the, use these types of, of words, and they are deliberately not using the word metaverse because of two reasons, in my my mind. The main reason is definitely also what they keep saying is that people get confused by the term. The average person either does not understand what it is or even worse, thinks what it is, but what it is actually not really. So they try to avoid that, which I think is smart. I think the second reason is obviously that Meta has now attached themselves so closely to Determined, have been the first one to do so, that you also don't want to get intermixed with, uh, with Meta on that one. But what is interesting is even though they say they they don't have a metaverse product and and even though people might think Apple will only start in that space once they launch their headset uh, potentially next year, the, the truth is that Apple has been knee deep in the metaverse for quite some time. The ones who have paid close attention they understand that for at least the past three or four generations of iPhones, they have equipped the devices with augmented reality type sensors as well as software already building the foundations behind many of the enables we need for metaverse slash mixed reality applications. And to many of the listener, you are actually um, not aware that the most sold metaverse device on the planet you are probably are carrying right in your ears today, the AirPods. The AirPods are also a sensor allowing to create uh, tracking of your head. And so uh, as a, as an example, where you use it, you might have recognized if you use an iPhone with your AirPods and you move your head slightly, you see how the sound starts switching in your uh, in your headphones. And that is only possible because they are able to track your head. Now, just add the iPhone, which might in your, be on your pocket. And you might even, some of you might uh, be wearing an Apple Watch. Apple has a pretty good view on who you are or how you look like in terms of your uh, digital twin. And so once they start releasing the headset, that will not be their first device, which will go head head against, you know, Meta and, and Pico and HTC and all the others. It will only be the icing on the cake. And they have already such a big base that they might actually be overtaking them on the, on the right lane.
0: Wow, that's a super interesting thought. So, they, they actually, if, if you put it that way, they actually, what, what Facebook and, uh, and Oculus is doing with their bulky headset, squeezing everything into that, uh, what did you say, 500 grams? Mm-hmm. Apple started years ago unbundling that mm-hmm. hardware mm-hmm. already, <laughs> uh, um, uh, putting it on our bodies, and then eventually, maybe just uh, are going to put some nice looking shades uh, on our bodies as the final piece, and then we have an unbundled Oculus. Quest right there that's a very interesting thought actually um and and just underlines what the role that I'm seeing Apple could play here in in mass adoption for all of this um, very very interesting um I would with that with that being said uh, you know so we, we we heard the frictions that we that we that we need to reduce or that need to be reduced for mass adoption. We heard what apple's role could be um, let's let's fast forward and and maybe zoom into consumer brands a little bit hmm. um, and into a time. That we anticipate where where the metaverse technologies are are more widely adopted, right? Mm-hmm. How do you? How I, I think that's at, at least for me personally, one of the most exciting parts are those consumer brands. What they're going to do? You mentioned fashion, right? We we see what Nike is doing, mm-hmm. you know, with Artifact. Now they in, announced their other Web three initiatives, so I think they're leading the way once again when it comes mm-hmm. to branding, marketing, and, and consumer tech and all of that. So um, how do how do you how do you think Um, And it's a very open question. Um, How do you think those consumer brands will change Um, and maybe making Mm -hmm. more concretely what I'm really interested in is actually um, the the analogy of social networks, the analogy Mm -hmm. of Amazon versus the web, uh, their own e-commerce stores Mm -hmm. and and that type of thing. Right. So we've seen um, uh, brands, you know, Maybe 15, 20 years ago, exploring websites, mm. then they were trying to be on Facebook, and and I see a lot of similarities. Actually, if you if you go a little deeper, I see a lot of similarities in those virtual worlds. You know, you see brands building their own stuff. You know, their own very custom experiences. You see brands buying land uh, in Decentraland or doing stuff in Roblox. Mm. So I would love to to kind of, I don't know, unpack this. Virtual world ecosystem from a consumer brand perspective, a little bit. What yeah. are what are your thoughts on all of that?
1: Yeah, no, that's 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 an excellent uh, question, and I actually want to start with um, with saying, who do we need to look to to better understand this? And it is the generation set, and that's something I can only recommend any executive or, or business person out there to say, listen to the generation set, because all of these technologies we're talking about we are i'm not the one i'm a i'm a a millennial uh, i'm not the one who's going to be reaping the biggest benefits it's going to be the gen c and it's going to be probably the generation alpha like my five-year-old daughter um that is going to be growing up and coming into the workforce once these these technologies reach maturation and i recall from actually the day before yesterday, when I was uh, talking with Kathy Huckle at this conference, I was mentioning, and she said something very interesting. She said, "We millennials or, or Gen X, we still think of having a physical self in the real in the real world and a virtual self. Right? We might think of we have yeah presence in social media, and to some extent, that's different from who we might be in the real world." If Chen said that is no longer the case. They see themselves as a unified self, regardless of whether it's digital or physical. And you you see some of these examples. I mean, anyone um, who has teenagers or, or even like younger gen alphas, um, they are connected day in, day out. They might go through an entire day being connected through Twitch or other, um, other means with their friends while they're playing, but also while they're not playing. And so that is just a very natural way of them, of, of their existence. And this also um, is the reason why I stopped um, calling it the real world and the virtual world, because both of them are equally real. So I start saying the physical world and and the virtual world, but both of them are as real as as, it, as they can be. And why does this matter to your question, Norman? That you said I think the brands, and many brands think of this still in this old way of saying, yeah, they might have their traditional channels, their web two channels or their physical channels, and now they are also having a separate type of offering in the metaverse. They set up shop in the central end or they put out an NFT collection. And they they double that. And that's definitely better than than nothing because it helps you train that muscle and learn about it. But what sets, for example, Nike apart from the rest is that they don't think of this as two separate things. They say the Nike product experience or Nike brand is as real, whether it's in a virtual fashion uh, environment or a physical one. And that's, I think, what's so intriguing about it, because if you really boil it down, what is fashion? It is a way to express ourselves. We are not wearing what we wear because we are hairless monkeys that have to keep warm. It is always a part of showing who we truly wanna be. And that is a fundamental human need that is equally applicable in the physical world as it is in the digital world. And Nike got that, and that's why they are so uh, doubling down on this and also so successful with the digital assets that they have been creating.
0: Yeah. So, so what you're saying is, we need to look at the Gen Z and Alpha mm-hmm. potentially, um, and we we need to appreciate the fact that um, first of all, the, the, the digital identity is just going to be at least as important as the let's say physical uh, one, right? For, mm-hmm. for this generation. Um, and if you appreciate that fact, and if you actually deal with these with these kids nowadays, right, uh, you will you will understand why. It potentially will matter a lot. What helmet, hat, mask, pants, avatar, whatever you wear, which uh, which is an NFT, you know, on the blockchain, uh, in 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 this era of of the of the of the web, um um very very interesting. Um, in terms of the um the the yeah, let's say let's call it virtual world landscape out mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. Which ones on the so I, 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 for me, it's sort of like, it's, it's, it's actually, I, I see this analogy a lot. Like, you know, you, p- brands have their have potentially or not sell on Amazon as a marketplace, like a horizontal player. Mm-hmm. And then they still, and they also have their vertical presence where it's only about their brand. Um, and, and, you know, they, they control the experience, the, the, the conditions and all that kind of stuff. Do you see a same sort of mix and balancing in those brands and, and where and how they want to be present um, in, in the Metaverse, concretely asking, do you see a world where at some point Nike is just building, going to build their Nike world and wants to track all their users in there, can control the user experience, can control the data and all that kind of stuff? Or do you see them plugging into these horizontal, more social experiences uh, where you have an existing audience of, I think, Roblox is like 50 million users a day, active users daily. Uh, how, do you, how do you see that balancing in, in brands nowadays? How do they think about it? How do you think about it?
1: Yeah. And again, this is a, uh, this is a very uh, relevant question and, and at the same time hard to answer because we're so early days. Um, and if you just look briefly into Web 2.0, it is also not that there is one model globally. Yes, we are now used to in the West Hemisphere of Amazon being, being that dominant marketplace, cutting across uh, different verticals. But if you look, for example, to Asia, you have different ecosystems, right? You might have like a WeChat super app ecosystem where everything happens within that app. And then, as you are rightly saying, these brands will also still have their own um e-commerce uh, shops so so different models are existing today and I do believe that different models will exist uh tomorrow coming back to the different options um brands have today you know going into one of these what we call meta worlds you know be it a uh, blockchain driven one like the Sandbox Decentraland or Somnium space or on the other side being one of these more from the gaming uh side of things like Roblox or uh or Fortnite um I think uh uh, as as opposed to building something completely custom like you mentioned right that some of them have been doing as well so um i do think yes today there there might still be a couple of them that are really doing very very custom stuff i mean i don't think many of them do it completely from the ground up they would still resort to either an engine you know like unreal engine 5 a billion unity or go even one step up and use one of the, the platforms out there where they would not reinvent things like avatar system or you know other type of features, but they would rather be customizing the environment per se and other elements of of the of the of the experience. So I do think that similarly as of today, I I, I still remember when I had that, that freestyle fashion label in Switzerland that was back in when was that it was like two thousand and it was I think two thousand and five something like that yeah back exactly in two thousand and five we started we would create our web shop from the ground up. You know, there weren't the, the you know, uh, Shopify's or, or the Wixes of this world where you would just go and build it, you know, in a, in a day. We were building it from the ground up and it was painful. It looked absolutely terrible. And we were ahead of our time back in 2005. It was just not yet um, normal to order t-shirts or, or whatever uh, online. But now it is. I think we're we're a bit in that world, like today, we don't have yet these plug and play type uh, metaverse shop out of a box thing where any brand can do it. So we still are are in that world. I think um, comparing then these different platforms, what I also keep saying is you need to start with what do you want to achieve? Because that will determine which platform you should go with. If you are all about only some hype and maybe demonstrating a certain use case, which which may, may involve um, some Web3 technology, it could be a very good idea to go with one of the platforms such as the Sandbox or the central end, right? Because they run on chain, you can have things like NFTs. Um, we did a, a we opened our 36th office of BCG Gamma uh, on the Sandbox and the 37th on the central end. And we we one of the the uh, events I I remember fondly was we had like a town hall meeting of our BCG Gamma or data analytics unit on the Central end. and the head of uh, the event people would have to submit their wallet address, and they would get uh, some merchandise you know dropped airdropped into the the wallet, and once you would enter the event on the Central end, you could wear your your Gamma hoodie uh, on for that event so I mean that was wonderful It was a great event, but if you want to really reach mass audiences if you want to really kind of make money and reach a lot of users you are actually maybe much better off going with roblox or uh fortnite because there you just already have hundreds of millions of users today as opposed to these other platforms so again i believe we will uh, enter a world where a many of the future dominating platforms don't exist yet or do other stuff today b i think we will see a mix of strategies Maybe even different by geography, and see. I think um, we might have again a portfolio of platforms depending on what is it you want to achieve with your uh, brand and marketing strategy.
0: Very interesting. So the so the answer is the short one, and I, I know that strategy consultants like giving giving it is it depends. Uh, very <laughs> very cool. Um, uh, Tibor, we're running, we're running uh, um, uh, out of time here. I could go okay. on forever, but um, let's, let's maybe um, uh, start wrapping it up real quick um, mm-hmm. uh, by, by, um, by maybe talking or you, you talking about um, um, a quick outlook. Um, what will, in that space, and that exciting industry, the next 12 to 18 months look like for Tibor and for BCG? Um, what are you excited for? What are you looking forward to? What are the next steps that you're preparing already?
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. I think what uh, I, I, will, I will end uh, I will end with kind of my my outlook, what excites me uh, the most as well. I mean, first of all, the, the very exciting thing is I cannot fully predict what's going to happen in 18 months. That's the exciting part of it, right? It's not a mature thing where you can say, okay, nothing's going to happen in the next 12, 12 months. Uh, so that's, I think, the first exciting thing about it. I think the second thing which excites me is that we're only reaching the end of the beginning. So I think anything we've done in the past will just become another block in the fundament of what's about to be built in the next 12 to 18 months. And so I think what excites me personally a lot is the technology part. I think we're gonna see some pretty cool tech hit markets in the next uh, 12 to 18 months, which will just unlock new use cases, very much entering more and more the, the physical world. Yeah, so we're centered around mixed reality, which is gonna be a huge unlock in my regard. I do think that we will move away from a lot of the um, hype and and also scams around crypto. We're gonna enter a more mature, more regulated way, which will actually be a good thing because it means security for investors and it will be new and more sustainable use cases going forward. And the third thing which really excites me is building stuff. I mentioned in the beginning that uh, we had these 100 projects and I would say, if I look back, 30% had a build component, like I was talking about some of the examples. But if I just look at back the the current type of discussions and projects I have, that share is growing fast. And so to all the builders out there, we need you, be it with BCG or wherever you do it outside. And that's what excites me the most going forward.
0: Very, very cool. Tibor, thanks, thanks so much for, for sharing uh, some of your insights on this whole topic. I think it was super interesting to get Especially this high-level and strategic view on this whole topic, right? And 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 uh, yeah, uh, cutting through the noise is, I think, the term that that is going to stick. Uh, and uh, thanks, thanks a lot for for sharing uh, some of your wisdom here. Thanks for having me. Bye bye. Bye, Tibor.